Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Absolutely gorgeous day. Unfortunately, our world is being plagued by horrific, horrific climate change challenges. And what we're learning more and more is that those climate change challenges are in large part a result of animal agriculture. And that's why we've really got to think about what we put in our mouth, because you can point the finger at the government and corporations to uh, till the end of time. Uh, but the idea of having personal responsibility and personal power is absolutely extraordinary. So without further ado, I would like to introduce two incredible guests as we go live, simulcasting as well on Facebook. We are talking today to two extraordinary, I would say thought leaders, Jill Carnegie and Robert Grillo, whose goal is to create no kill zones in major cities, slaughter-free cities. So I'll start with you, Jill. What's this whole mission about and how do you plan to achieve it? Well, uh, I just came on board recently uh, to facilitate this as a unity movement with Animal Save movements. Uh, So we're thrilled at the opportunity to take the initiative that Robert Grillo and Free From Harm initiated in Chicago Uh, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago now, I I think. He'll fill you in on that. Um, And now we have the global power of of animal save movement coming behind this so that we can develop a model here in New York City to be replicated, hopefully, uh, with rapid enthusiasm uh, at many cities across North America and eventually the world. Uh, I do think uh, Robert would be best to fill in uh, how this started. Uh, All right, Robert, tell us how this started. And by the way, if you see me looking down, it's because I'm sharing this video. And I'm sharing this video because this is the power of our movement. Everybody hit share. It takes less than a second to hit share. And it opens up this concept and this thought and this conversation to a whole new tribe of people. So while I'm talking, I'm also doing a ton of other things at the same time simultaneously. So Robert Grillo, tell us what gave you the inspiration to do this and what exactly is it? Hi, Jane. Uh, Thank you so much for having us on the show today. Um, It's great to see you. And uh, yeah, so the inspiration for the campaign uh, came in uh, when I was at the Animal Rights Conference um, in the summer of uh, 2018. And, you know, I, that's one of the reasons why I love going to these conferences 
because it gives you good ideas. And um, this idea was kind of, I don't know, it just popped in my head that it, it, it was a tangible and yet powerful uh, symbolic way uh, to do something in our own city um, that could have repercussions uh, in, in other cities. If it, took, if it took hold here, it could take hold anywhere because Chicago was once the slaughter capital of the world and has promoted itself um, and, and you know, it was actually a tourist, you know, a tourist destination to go to the Union Stockyards and, and visit the, what was at the time the largest meatpacking and slaughter complex in the world. And so, um, you know, in the tradition of Upton Sinclair and his book, The Jungle, we are, we see ourselves as uh, carrying the torch and, and bringing his work of exposing uh, the, that slaughterhouse industry and how it made fortunes on the backs of countless workers and, and animals. Um, we see our, our work as, as closing that chapter and bringing his work to a logical conclusion, which is uh, ending slaughter in our city. And we only have 13 slaughterhouses left. So um, three of them are kind of history already. And so um, that's how it started. And, you know, we're, we just, uh, we're making steps in the direction that we want to go in. And we think in 2020, we're going to get there. So what does it look like? You had this great concept, a slaughter-free city, a no-kill zone. And we know that there's also something powerful called the SAVE movement that is growing uh, exponentially. Right. Under the leadership or the guidance of uh, somebody I consider my personal hero, Anita mm -hmm. Krines, who is a Toronto PhD, who right. was walking her dog and stumbled upon a truck filled with pigs destined for slaughter at a nearby slaughterhouse. She made right. eye contact with the pigs. And being a student of Tolstoy and a highly educated woman, Tolstoy, his philosophy is when you see suffering the famous Russian author, his philosophy, meaning he's been dead a long time, but his philosophy is when you see suffering, you have a moral obligation not to turn away, not to pretend you didn't see it, not to try to ignore it, but to get closer, see if you can help. And even if you can't help, to bear witness. And there is a power. I get choked up when I think about it because when we go to these pig vigils, we are so helpless. And we look at the pigs and they look like little children. We all love our dogs and cats and they are no different than our dogs and cats. And when I make eye contact with these pigs and they can't be helped because I can't stop that truck. I just say, I'm so sorry, I love you. And I'm sorry this is happening. And I, I try to stay upbeat because you don't wanna, you don't wanna just become you know, transmit your anxiety and your sadness to them. We are all upbeat and we, we touch them. They don't want to be petted, but you give them a loving touch, give them water. Often they've traveled long distances without food, certainly, and, and without water either. And they're very thirsty. So give them a little comfort, a little love. Love can be transmitted. Right. And then they go in and they die a horrible death. So, uh, so how does the save movement, I wanted to describe for people who don't know what a vigil is. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if you want to start a vigil, you could start it. There's more than 600 at slaughterhouses around the world right now. 
And the goal of the SAVE movement is to have a vigil at every slaughterhouse on the planet that will elevate our consciousness to the point where we'll start to realize we don't need to kill sentient beings to survive. In fact, it's killing us, it's killing the planet. So let me ask you, uh, how do you coordinate the SAVE movement, which I've just described, with your slaughter-free cities, Robert? Well, what I, what I think you're tapping into, that help, sense of helplessness and, uh, you know, not being Speak up, to, please. Um, I, is this loud enough? No, just speak <laughs> up. Like, pretend I'm your hard-of-hearing grandma. Speak up. Right. Um, I think that the campaign empowers people um, because it's not just doing a vigil. I mean, once you have, once you're at, at vigils and you know what's going on and you're documenting uh, what's happening, um, for me, it it seemed to be necessary to uh, we need to uh, we need to um, speak truth to power and and and, and uh, get in front of our city officials and get them to enforce the laws against these businesses because these are not just any kind of businesses as I explained to them. These are killing factories and uh, they need special attention. And if they enforce the laws, these places will be shut down. Even, so if, even if they were just to uh, uh, enforce the health code laws against them, they would be shut down. Not to mention the zoning laws, the environmental laws, the animal welfare laws, all the other laws that they break, in our case, um, just the health code laws alone would shut them down. That's what we're asking the city to do. All right. And if I may... Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to just uh, tie this into um, how we brought this with, uh, together with the SAVE movement. I had the privilege of uh, working with Anita directly, uh, bringing her into the fold for New York City Kaporos, which I know you have also uh, been a, a very big campaigner for, Jane, um, or against, rather, the use of chickens as Kaporos, a mass ritual slaughter that happens uh, all over the world, but New York City is the second largest in the on the planet where this happens. Uh, so Anita came into the fold of that in 2018, and we worked together on it. So when Robert and I uh, were connected in 2019, and I learned of his campaign, we actually had already started in that direction here in New York, because the difference... Um, in New York versus many other places where we have saved chapters around the world is that we have the storefronts here. So we're not bearing witness at transport trucks where we go up and give them water. We're bearing witness at storefronts where maybe they do have access to water all day. So there's really not much comfort we can offer, but uh, where they are tightly confined and where, as Robert was alluding to, many, many, many laws are violated day after day, including some of the most egregious animal cruelty violations that you'll find in the city. So, uh, so what happened was that once Robert and I were connected, it seemed natural that since the SAVE movement activists who uh, hold vigil consistently are the ones who already know these slaughterhouses inside and out, so they should be the first ones to be applying their knowledge to and their their power and their presence to a campaign like this to actively shut down these killing factories. So what, again, Robert, what does no-kill zone, free from slaughter, slaughter-free cities, what does it look like? With a save movement, you could see people go to a vigil. It happens here in California, in Los Angeles, for example, has the largest 
every Wednesday and every Sunday night. And just last night, uh, last night, uh, Joaquin Phoenix, the extraordinary award-winning actor who has courageously stood up in front of the world and said, go plant-based, animal agriculture is uh, a leading contributor to climate change. He was at the vigil and I uh, was delighted uh, that we were able to get an interview with him. He is a powerhouse who is changing the world by his incredible acting abilities and then using those opportunities where he has the world's attention to speak truth to power. And he was there and we did an interview with him last night. So there are some major celebrities going. News media is starting to cover these vigils. So you can kind of visualize what a vigil is like. You're standing outside the slaughterhouse, the truck pulls up, everybody respectfully, quietly, and kindly offers water and love to the pigs for a period of time, very short, maybe two, three minutes while the truck stands there waiting to for the gates to open. Then the gates open and these poor animals go in there and then they're all killed in whatever form they're killed. Um, you know, depending on the slaughterhouse, it can be electrocution, gassing, uh, slitting of throat. It's, it's all violent and it's all unnecessary and it's all a leading contributor to human disease and a leading contributor. And uh, now we have information it is the leading contributor to the destruction of the planet. So what does it look like, Robert? Oh, okay. So let me, let me put into a different perspective on this because I think, I think the save movement and slaughter free cities are very complementary and support each other in, in a unique way, but they're also just different in terms of strategy. So while the SAVE movement brings people to the slaughterhouse, one way of looking at slaughter-free cities is that we bring the slaughterhouse to City Hall. And we tell City Hall, once, you know, the, the, the value of bearing witness and documenting what's happening at these locations is key. And then we take that, that evidence and that story and bring it to City Hall. And we tell them that they need to act on this. Um, so that's, that's how we're complementing each other. Um, but our focus is on, on the political aspect of it and, and campaigning to get administrators first to, to close those places that are operating illegally. And then hopefully, is that a finger? Well, okay. yeah, I, I just finish your thought because we've got a caller. Then a, a ban on any new slaughterhouses would be the next phase. Of, Which of, we already have in New York City. Wonderful. So and that's also, something uh, that Chicago can model after is that New York City does have a, a mandate like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so also a ban on any expansion. Keep that in mind because some of the mm -hmm. existing slaughterhouses try to expand their operations. Um, Renee Marinkovich is the Jane Unchained contributor who interviewed Joaquin Phoenix last night at the Pig Vigil near downtown LA. Yeah. Um, Renee, tell us about your experience and um, amazing work there. Well, last night was a incredibly difficult night in that the amount of trucks lining up in the overflow yard, which I hadn't yet experienced. I'm there about every two months. Really added such a weight. You could hear the trucks 
idling, and you could also hear the pug, the, some of the pigs squealing. It just cast a, a special burden over the crowd. And yet, what was so beautiful about Joaquin is Joaquin had just blended into the crowd. He's so not looking for attention, and his heart was so clearly large. And I, the, you know, the other story, like Joaquin, are the people that come out. And it was beautiful that he was able to share his heart. And I always ask people, why are you here? And then, you know, what was it that allowed you to be here? It's hard. It's tearful. It's heartbreaking. You know, and I asked him to, how would you speak to anyone looking at at our viewer? And the viewer, and, he, you know, he spoke from his heart. And I, I'm so grateful he was willing to be interviewed. Um, but it wasn't just him. It was also... Uh, a colleague of his who'd come out who was filled with joy. It was part of the interview, and he was talking about his neighbor who has a pig, and for a while he's been getting to know how intelligent this pig is. And it would seem that through Joaquin simply inviting a colleague and friend, here he was making the connection. But his joy was, he had so much joy just in understanding the consciousness of the animal and, oh, my gosh, I'm changing because of this. Um, but there were families there as well, Jane families with young children. And I started asking, you know, what do you do for a living? We had a construction worker. We had an actor. We had someone in the film business. We had a fashion designer. We had a mom and dad. We had college students. It is so compelling at every layer of our society who is coming out being greatly affected. I said, Joaquin, why do you come? He says, because I have to. I have to. And once you look in their eyes in person. It, it yeah. cuts through the logic. It is so obvious. It's what Illogic. all of us know as children. And I'm grateful that Joaquin is, is opening up and, and standing. And I had no idea, you guys. I, I saw that he was wearing something nice, but it totally, I totally it didn't connect with the awards. There was another award show tonight. Yet how beautiful the first place he came after the awards was to the pig vigil. Is that what a comment on what's important to him? So, wow. I hope Renee. I. It was an incredible evening. I, I woke up this morning, and some people may say, How do you do this when we go out and report? In the moment, you're just focused on what can I capture that is going to move the viewer. And please, viewers who are watching this right now, understand you are an essential part of the movement with every share and every comment. You are propelling our movement forward like no time in history have you had such a powerful weapon, your phone, your ability to share. I immediately shared to so many people last night, and it's people from my past have been reaching out to me today, and it's and they're like, we will watch the Game Changers, because I happened to mention it during this interview. So the share is your power weapon. Please use it, and thank you for listening. And then, of course, you do cry after the fact. I cried, and now I'm back to business today. So I'm calling from my office. <laughs> so Yay, thank you for wonderful, giving wonderful. me the time. Renee, thank you for all you do. One of our most amazing Jane Unchained contributors. And um, you do so much, and you always hit it out of the park. Every time you go live, it's extraordinary. So we, we appreciate you, you. And keep it coming. Keep those home runs coming. All right, babe. Um, all right. <laughs> all right. And, uh, be back in a second with more, but we're staying live on Facebook. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. 
Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Are you ready for provocative discussions with some of today's most powerful movers and shakers? Tune in to The Art of Significance, featuring Dan Clark, the modern-day Napoleon Hill, who interviews the wealthiest, most successful celebrities and business leaders on the planet who are using their influence to change the world. From authors to entertainers, sports figures, educators to military leaders, Dan covers multiple topics. Tune in every Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is on Instagram. Make sure you follow us and comment on our pictures from behind the scenes at our radio shows, live events, and around the network. We want to see what you have to share as well. Check us out on Instagram at Voice America Talk Radio. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right. We are back on uh, Voice America Influencers Radio. I always like to say thank you to our executive producer, Tacey Trump as well as Andrew and all the folks in the control room for allowing us to have these conversations that are so often verboten on mainstream media, which has been completely co-opted by the uh, advertisers, meat, dairy, pharmaceuticals, the very industries that would collapse if um, we got compassionate, healthy, and started to reverse climate change by going plant-based. It's happening. The change is happening. And I do believe we're going to hit the tipping point in 2020, because you see, you know, I've been vegan for about 24 years. Um, when I first would go into the occasional vegan restaurant, it was empty. I knew the waiters. I knew everybody in the movement. Now I can't get a table. I love to say that. And, uh, and nothing makes me happier than going into a vegan restaurant until there's a two-hour wait. Sorry. Um, and we see what happened with the Beyond Meat. IPO, initial public offering, the most successful IPO since the financial crisis in 2008. Impossible Foods taking over. All, m- most of the fast food uh, uh, giants are adding vegan options. McDonald's is testing vegan options in Ontario, Canada. Uh, we have Joaquin Phoenix, arguably the best actor of our generation, getting up at, at the Golden Globes at the... Um, Critics' Choice Award, and I want to see exactly what happened at the SAG Awards, but he is speaking to the world, and uh, he's telling them, thank you for going plant-based. All these all these Hollywood award shows are going plant-based, so that's going to put pressure, as it should, on quote-unquote environmental groups to stop serving meat, conservation groups to stop serving meat, animal welfare groups to stop selling meat and serving meat at their events. Believe it or not, there are people raising money for dogs and cats who are having pig roasts 
because of the disconnect. So there's so much happening in our culture right now. And this is also a huge aspect. That's sort of like uh, economic side. And then on the cultural movement side, you have the uh, Cubes of Truth by Anonymous for the Voiceless all over the globe. Almost most of the time when I look down, I see somebody, one of our 70 worldwide contributors are live. They're live at a, a Cube of Truth somewhere in the Netherlands, in Berlin, in LA, in New York, in Texas. They're happening everywhere. And the vigils, more than 600, I think it's maybe even up to 700. Now we add this component, no kill zone, slaughter-free cities. So Jill, explain, you're in New York City, Roberts in Chicago, Paint a picture of how this is happening and how people can get involved. Well, what's amazing about this campaign is that, you know, this tipping point that you described, the normalization of plant-based options, uh, it really feels like this campaign is a time, you know, this is uh, the time for it because these slaughterhouses are in neighborhoods that are already marginalized. These are already low-income communities. These are people who don't feel empowered these are people who feel like their voices don't matter, and they are suffering in neighborhoods alongside these slaughterhouses where their property values are being compromised, their health is being compromised, they're suffering from asthma, they're witnessing these animals suffering in confinement, coming in on the trucks, being slaughtered, hearing their screams. And now by us being out there and giving them a voice and telling them you have a right to speak up and say you don't want this in your neighborhood, this is helping to create activists out of those who never would have thought that their voice mattered. And that's why I feel like this campaign is only going to help expedite this tipping point that we're all describing and we're all witnessing right in front of us. This is going to create more activists and what better way to bridge a neighborhood activist fighting for their quality of life into veganism, but ha by having them reject having slaughterhouses in their neighborhoods. So this is a, a great gateway campaign to bring in non-vegan people who want to raise their voice for a better world and who want to elevate their compassion and do something about it. But, uh, okay, let's talk a little bit about the challenges, Robert Grillo and Jill. You know that, for example, in New York City, and I don't want to get too technical because even though I was born and raised, I'm not living there right now, but apparently uh, there are a lot of laws that are being violated that that the powers that be just completely pretend it's not happening. So um, how do you go up, Robert, against the institutionalized prejudice against, um, you know, or for the animal agriculture industry, uh, which has such power and to the point where people, politicians, um, literally ignore the laws that are on the books and pretend like these violations are not happening even when it's documented on camera and presented to them right there. Look, these, these, there's blood in the streets. There's a horrific health problem here, a threat. Uh, this is against this code, that code, this code, that code. And they basically just see no evil, hear no evil, Pretend that you're not speaking. Well, we we show up at their office, and uh, we we have actions. We demand a democratic process, a democratic representative system, in which they care about what we care about, not what they you know necessarily what they think is important, 
but we elected them and therefore we tell them what matters and what they need to do because we elected them. So in our case, look, we got all of the slaughterhouses in Chicago inspected by the health department, by business affairs and other uh, departments. And that's already led to uh, three closures. Um, It's already led to headaches for a lot of these businesses that never got inspected before because nobody thought about it. Nobody had complained. And we started filing complaints and that led to inspections that led to penalties that led to administrative hearings for some of these businesses. And some of them just said, you know what, I'm done. And we think that, that more of that's going to happen. Um, that's just one possible angle um, to get them to close. Uh, we have legal means and other ways too. But just like any other cause, um, we, we have to be, you know, we, we have to be in front of them and demanding that they act on an issue that, that is, uh, you know, in our case, we have a very intersectional message. Slaughterhouses are bad for animals, for workers, for communities, for the planet. There's no good outcome. There, there's no benefit to society um, except perhaps for the owner um, that makes money on, on slaughtering animals. So um, we have a lot of support. Like Jill said, when you go out into these communities and you actually meet people, they become your allies um, mo- most of the time. So like, I would say about 10% of the people we speak to are, are adversarial. Like the 90% are for what we're doing, even whether, whether or not they're, they're con- committed to the cause, uh, they're, they still believe in this is a good thing to do. One of the things that I want to point out is that we are not against, or this movement is not against the slaughterhouse workers. Um, no. You know, even those who may own slaughterhouses, for example, uh, Renee Kingsonen of the Rowdy Girl Sanctuary is working with a rancher advocacy program. These people often they inherit a farm. They're in the life. Then they're offered some deal with some major producer. They get into these onerous loans. Uh, they are literally going in with masks every day because the stench of urine, feces, and and chemicals in these horrific concentrated animal feeding operations is so uh, overwhelming. They're getting sick. They are being factory farmed too. Mm -hmm. They are looking for a way out. The dairy farmers are struggling because people are putting, they're, they're, they're realizing, oh, drinking the breast milk of another species is not natural. And they're switching to soy milk, almond milk, cashew milk, hemp milk, rice milk, um, oat milk is my, my newest favorite, oat milk, which is sweeping Europe. And Oatly is just one of the brands. Um, and so the dairy farmers are struggling. We're not against those farmers. We understand that they are in a no-win situation too. We are trying to help them transition so that they can save their health. They can still remain on their land, but they can do something else, whether it's hemp, whether it's uh, mushrooms, whether it's uh, nuts, whether it's pea protein, which is used in a lot of the plant-based products. There are other things they can produce that are less harmful to their own health, 
less harmful to the environment, and certainly don't involve the torture and killing of animals. So that's another component as you know, it's like good cop, bad cop. As you also say, you're breaking these rules, boom, 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 boom. Um, there may be a way to, to uh, collaborate with those who are transitioning the farmers and the farmers who are transitioning. Any thoughts on that, Jill? Well, here in New York City, what we find is that the vast majority of the workers in these slaughterhouses are working some of the worst jobs available to them. Many of them are undocumented workers. Uh, many of them, I mean, this is a dangerous job. They're around equipment that's designed to kill every single day. And so these workers, it's, it's been shown that they are three times more likely to suffer from serious injury on the job than any other worker in the country. And yet, they don't have benefits for the most part, if at all. Uh, they don't have health protections. They, you know, these workers are very exploited. They're put in a very vulnerable position. And we have had conversations with managers and workers who would love the opportunity to, trans to transition into another line of work. So yes, this is exactly the campaign that can unify communities, the exploited workers in these slaughterhouses, and those who are fighting for the non-human victims as well. And in New York City, the non-human victims that are slaughtered every single year amounts to 20 million within city limits. Now, oh this, yeah, that's just in New York City. Now we do have close to a hundred slaughterhouses. However, we do have a mandate that where the, the language of the law says exactly why they're not going to issue new slaughterhouse licenses in New York City within 1500 feet of a residence, which if anyone knows New York City, 1,500 feet basically means nowhere in the five boroughs, right? It's effectively a citywide ban. Yeah. However, the language of that law is also the very reason why existing slaughterhouses should not be allowed to operate either. So that's what we're finding is that this is as much a benefit to the humans in this system as it is to the animals, as it is to the narrative at large of compassionate choices. And you make a very good point. You know, I deal with we all deal with people all the time that we're trying to say, hey, there's another way you don't need to kill. And sometimes we invite them to go to a, a slaughterhouse and see the pigs going in or the chickens or the cows or the goats or the lambs. And you know, I have often an experience where people say, I, I can't, I couldn't do that. I can't look at that. I'd get sick. Well, okay. If you'd get sick looking at it, then how is it that you feel that that it's okay for you to hire some poor person who has no choice virtually of what job they're going to take to do your killing for you, not once, but five days a week, eight to 10 hours a day. Mm -hmm. Imagine being dressed in blood and killing day in and day out. They have higher incidence of alcoholism, drug abuse, post-traumatic stress disorder, um, psychological issues, depression. You can't even look at the animals going in and yet you feel totally entitled to hire somebody to do your killing for you while you're running around talking about how you're an animal lover and you're, oh, involved in all sorts of activities to make the world a better place. It's just complete and utter denial and, um, uh, it's something that I invite people to look at. I'm not pointing the finger because that doesn't work, but I am inviting people to look at that 
and and to at least ask yourself, am I am I walking the walk? Am I being true to my values? If it's something so horrible that I can't even look at the first part of it that anybody can see from the street, not the actual killing, just the animals going in, because I think I'll get sick to my stomach, sad, depressed, cry, I'll have a breakdown, then perhaps there's something wrong with what you're doing. Let your conscience be your guide, as Jiminy Cricket would say. All right, we're going to take another break here. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. I love the fact that Rico sleeps for this show. <laughs> for the most part. Um, hopefully you guys listening at home on your radios, watching on Facebook are not li- sleeping through this because this is probably the most important conversation we could have. And Robert Grillo, the head of Free From Harm, and Jill Carnegie, who's involved with so many organizations and also Numu Vegan Cheese, um, are just powerhouses. One, Robert in Chicago, Jill in New York City, and I'm here in Los Angeles. And uh, we're trying to figure out how to create these no-kill zones. But it's Robert and Jill who are actually creating the structure. So you were saying, Robert, how are you? You got Milwaukee. What other cities are you getting into this no-kill zone movement? Well, you know, Milwaukee is a really great story because um, they set up a chapter in preparation to kill a $60 million slaughterhouse deal in three days, which they did. Um, They said, can we set up a chapter? And I said, sure. So we scrambled around and we helped them get the resources they needed. And then we went to City Hall and um, they voted against, City Hall voted against a $60 million cap slaughterhouse in Milwaukee. It would have been the first of its kind and it was such an incredible victory 
um, that it inspired a lot of other people. And people started hearing about slaughter-free cities and thought, hey, that sounds like something we could do in our city. So we're busy, you know, building more resources for people. But to get started, we need a couple of committed activists in that city who are, are willing to get it started. And then I really think it helps to have a good attorney um, to help do the research that is going to be needed uh, to build the case. Now we have, you know, there's the moral case, the case that we make to the public, the case that is in the court of public opinion, and then there's a legal case. Now we, we suggest a two-pronged campaign. So you have a strong legal case and you have a, we already have the, we already have the, the court of public opinion. We already have, you know, the story. It's still a challenge, uh, but well, we have a powerful we're, we're getting, we're getting more successful in that regard. We're hitting, we're heading toward the tipping point. Right. So, um, you know, since it's Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday, um, to honor what he, one of the great things that, that he advised is that you start in the place where the injustice is the greatest or symbolically important. Um, in our case, Chicago is the slaughter capital, was once the slaughter capital of the world, made fortunes off of the backs of animals and workers. And, and so for us, it, it makes perfect sense to, to focus here. Um, and he said that when, it, when you have a success in that place, then it spreads. It becomes a national and even an international movement. So um, well, first of all, let me say this. Put us in touch with a few people in LA and that you think might be interested. Yeah. We'll get, you know, we'll be happy to try to plant the seed with them. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm thinking people are popping to my mind. Uh, Let me say this. First of all, talk about burying the lead. Kudos to you for stopping a ginormous Mm -hmm. multi, multi multi-million dollar calf slaughterhouse. When you yeah. said it, I, I for a second I thought, did he say cat slaughterhouse? Yeah. But imagine, just for example, how we have different values for our dogs and cats. If there was a cat slaughterhouse, mm-hmm. well, people would be running through the streets screaming and yelling and flipping tables and pulling hair. But then you just change two letters, calf. Yeah. And people look the other way and they just don't don't tell me, don't I don't want to hear it, right? So that's that's the challenge is that obviously the cats and the calves and the chickens and the lambs and the cows it's all the same all the oh we've got somebody on the line okay Uh, ellen Ellen, welcome ellen dent is one of our amazing contributors she writes for our website janeunchained.com and she also runs animal alliance network which runs on Wednesday, and she has a newborn baby who is uh, <laughs> gurgling right there. Hi, Ellen. Hi. Hey, Jean. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to call and chime in on this. I think it's so important. I think that what you all are doing is absolutely wonderful, and I, I wish we could do that here in L.A. Well, you're We're working on it. <laughs> make it happen because you're also a connector. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the different types of people. There's the information person. There's the salesperson. There's the connector who brings people together. 
I would say you're all three. All of us are all three to a certain degree. But Ellen, by running the pig vigil on Wednesday nights, which you do through your organization, Animal Alliance Network, and your incredible team, um, you... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the babe. That's <laughs> Oh, how the cute. babe is uh, she saw she saw grandma right now and got excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we do run the pig vigil outside the slaughterhouse and we see hundreds of pigs being trucked to their desk outside of these slaughterhouses and it's absolutely appalling. It's wrong. Um anyone who comes can see it for their own eyes. It's a life changing experience and it, it makes them not want to eat animals anymore. We uh, just had a reporter from KCRW come out last week, and uh, he went plant-based that day after coming to a, a pig vigil. So pig vigils are definitely are very eye-opening, but I'd love it if uh, we didn't have them and we didn't have slaughterhouses here. Okay, we're going to have to, uh, I promise you, Robert and Jill, uh, Ellen and I will have a meeting and see who we can bring on board. Uh, I don't think it should be me particularly because running this nonprofit news network is a full-time job. And we, every week we have similar stories that, and missions and goals and plans that are also extraordinary. And I, I would just spread myself too thin, but I can connect you um, already certain lawyers here in New York. I'm sorry, in LA, um, uh, I can think of, and Ellen, you and I can have a discussion and brainstorm, and we're going to introduce everybody to each other because we need this in LA. We need this in absolutely. Yes, mm -hmm. um, absolutely. Uh, so let's do that, Ellen. We're gonna we're gonna make it happen in Los Angeles. Okay, yeah, slaughter free Los Angeles, slaughter free, slaughter free LA. Yeah, yeah slaughter free, slaughter free everywhere. Come on, let's do this. Yeah, we could do this. And of course, you know, we have to do it for climate change. I mean, one of the things that is really happening, and I'm going to grab, uh, I always take an opportunity to promote uh, Jane Unchained's documentary, which I directed and which won uh, Best Documentary uh, Feature at the um, Studio City Film Festival and Best Director at the Culver City Film Festival and got a rousing um reaction at the Chelsea Film Festival, and we've submitted it to other film festivals. This talks about animal agriculture's impact on climate change. It is the most destructive industry on the planet, bar none. Leading cause of water pollution, habitat destruction, wildlife extinction. And while there is some debate on exactly where it stands in terms of contributing to climate change, it is at the very least a leading cause. And there is a new white paper that argues very convincingly with citations, and it is being peer-reviewed now and will be published soon, that it is the leading cause by far. Because uh, as the white paper points out, methane, which is from animal agriculture to a, a very large degree, has been systematically undercounted. And there's a miscalculation there. And once that miscalculation is corrected, its impact uh, skyrocket because methane is far more destructive than just CO2. So for that reason too, the world is listening now. The world is listening. I mean, I think we've all had the experience where we were told literally, you be quiet when we try to bring this issue up. And now thanks to people like Joaquin, thanks to 
there's there's a growing consciousness, right, Jill, that, hey, we've got a point here. And for the survival of the planet and all business and all industry, we've, we've got to go plant-based. Just address Yeah, absolutely. Well, here's the thing. We're clearly in a state of emergency. I think there's very few people proportionally who would deny that. And when it comes down to that, that means that we're in a position now where we have to begin to legislate compassion. We have to begin to legally enforce compassion and thoughtfulness and consideration for all the beings of this planet and for the planet itself. And that's why through um, working through the legislative channels with uh, lawmakers and the powers that be, but also uh, through other legal means. For example, we have a lawsuit that we support, uh, we're supporting a community in filing to evict a slaughterhouse from their neighborhood because that slaughterhouse is polluting their neighborhood. They're hosing body parts and blood and feces into the sewer system all over the street. They literally call it chicken soup in the street in their neighborhood. And it's bringing down obviously their quality of life and bringing down their property values. And obviously they're seeing and smelling the suffering of these animals. And so in this case, what we're looking at is that those of us who see this, yes, we need to con- we need to continue that outreach. We need to continue to make alternatives available and educate others. But in the meantime, in the state of emergency, we must legislate and use the law to force change to happen as quickly as possible in the meantime. We cannot only depend on individuals to come around to it in their own timing at their own pace. Wow. So uh, we've got just a few minutes. Uh, What do you want to say, Robert? We need system change. I think what Jill is pointing to is that we need systemic change. And the way to do that is to to, um, get the, the powers that be on board with our cause. Um, that's why we're partnering with Extinction Rebellion and Animal Rebellion in Chicago, um, because we like their focus on system change and using direct action and other forms of activism that are that are more assertive um, to to make people realize this is an emergency. This is not something we can just take a back seat or we can be nice and polite about. We're facing an emergency, and and we have to treat it like one. And we have to work together in unity to elect officials to office to support that effort, which uh, I know here in New York, we are allied with Voters for Animal Rights. There's also the incredible group NICLAS, and those are two politically oriented organizations that campaign for compassionate legislators to be elected to office. And because of their efforts, we now have more vegans and more vegetarians sitting on our New York City Council than ever before. And that's incredibly important to help get our message heard is in the election cycle and then in between election cycles, fighting for these bills to be passed and for the laws that are already on the books to be very vigilantly enforced. And I would also look at corporations because, look, these big corporations are run by smart people. You're not going to get to the top of a major corporation without being super bright. Now, animal agriculture, if, if they can be educated to understand how destructive it is. There's not going to be tourism when it's too hot to walk across the street. There's not going to be um, economy when streets are flooded. Already, uh, people are asking, what do we do when the farms and the factories are flooded? So the, the whole idea of just thinking about the next quarter profits, thinking about the next quarter profits, 
everybody's going to have to start looking beyond that. And I think that the smart leaders of corporations, if the impact of animal agriculture can be laid out to them, that how truly destructive it is, and arguably, and now this white paper is making the case that it is the overwhelming cause of climate change, far beyond fossil fuels. And if if they can have their scientists vet it, uh, the author of the white paper, Dr. Silas Rao, who is the subject of this documentary, which is available on Amazon Prime, anybody can watch it for free if you're an Amazon Prime member, and it's 99 cents for anybody else. It makes the case animal agriculture's impact and why we have to shift away. But if we can explain it to these best and the brightest, by the way, that was a an ironic, sarcastic mm-hmm. title. But if we can explain it to those who are in power that, hey, doesn't matter what your next quarter profits are. It doesn't matter you know, whether you have a, a ginormous mansion. Uh, none of it's going to be, uh, if we go extinct, <laughs> none of it matters. This is an existential crisis. Right. So I want to thank, we've only got a minute. I want to thank Robert Grillo. You are a powerhouse and what you have accomplished and so modest, it's mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. And I think this is a brilliant genius idea. Jill, you are also a powerhouse. And I think you as a team, Chicago, New York, LA, the three power centers of the United States to a large degree. And we got to get San Francisco in there. And we've, you know, there's a lot of activists in Berkeley. So that's a possibility too, to, to work with the Berkeley activists, but this can be done. It's doable. You've already got victories. You've got uh, bands to slaughterhouse, a new slaughterhouses. You've got a calf giant multi-million dollar calf operation shut down. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, this is a huge story of what you have accomplished. And honestly, I had no idea. Um, I thought it was an idea that, you know, was in its genesis. No, you've already stopped the the a, a giant calf, baby cows. Right. Wow. All right. We're going to have to end it right there. Thank you. Please, let's make this happen coast to coast and around the world. You are my heroes. Uh, thank you for joining us here on Voice America Radio, Facebook.com slash Jane Velez Mitchell. Check out Countdown to Year Zero and JaneUnchained.com. See you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week. 